up next on Walking by Faith. Every part of your life in my life is to be affected by who we are in Christ. Your redemption, your being in Christ is to change everything about your life. God loved you so much. He valued you so much is to send his son to become human and to die, to redeem you, to lay down his life for you. Hello, I want to welcome you to Walking by Faith, and thanks for being with us today. Now, we're talking about who you are in Christ. Now, this may not sound like an interesting subject, but it is one of the most important subjects in the Bible. In fact, if you look in your New Testament, over 130 times, the Bible talks about who you are in Christ, in Him, in whom, in the Beloved. And the Bible tells us in Philemon, verse 6, that the communication of your faith may become effectual, literally produce results by the acknowledging of every good thing that's in you in Christ. You know, the Bible says that there are a lot of good things in you. Over 130 verses talk about who you are in Christ, what belongs to you in Christ, what Jesus did for us, and it's ours in Christ. But so many of us have almost no knowledge about who we are, about what belongs to us in Christ, about what Jesus did for us at the cross. You know, the Bible says that God was working in Christ. He was working in Christ in His death, burial, and resurrection, but He wasn't working on Christ. He was working on you and me. And we need to find out what is it that God did for us in Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. So we're gonna be taking a look at who you are in Christ today. This is the next installment in our message about redemption realities, who you are in Christ. Even the world will tell you it is important for you to know who you are. You need, you need to have your own identity. But as a Christian, the identity that we need to have is who we are in Christ. Because if you're in Christ, the Bible says that you are a new creature, a new creation. That old things have passed away and all things have become new. And you are so new that you need God to introduce you to yourself. Right? And that's what we're looking at, who you are in Christ. Let's take a look at our springboard text, Philemon verse 6. That the communication of your faith may become effectual. So your faith needs to be effectual, or we can say it this way, powerful and produce results. And if you as a Christian, you look at your Christian life and you think, you know, I'm on my way to heaven, but other than that, nothing has changed. Then this verse has some revelation for you because your faith can become powerful and produce results. How's it going to happen? By the acknowledging of every good thing that is in you in Christ Jesus. Now notice it says every good thing. Over 130 times in the New Testament, the Bible talks about being in Christ, in Him, in whom, in the Beloved. And in every one of these verses, it's talking about what God has done for you 
and who he's made you to be through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Most Christians can't name five things that are different about their life because they're in Christ, because they're saved. But yet, if you go in your Bible, there, 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 there are scores of things that happen to you because of who you are in Christ Jesus. And it says you need to acknowledge them. It's the amplified translation that says that you need precise, accurate knowledge. Precise, accurate knowledge. Again, there's no ignorant faith. You cannot have faith. You cannot be believing God for things that you do not know anything about. And when Jesus arose from the dead, victorious over sin, death, and the devil, he didn't do that so that you might have a little bit of help in your life. He did that because he realized that through what he did, everything was going to change. So let's take a look at Ephesians chapter 1, and we'll start with verse 7 today. It says, in him, again, in Christ. And when the Bible talks about in Christ, it's talking about your participation or your being credited to everything that Jesus did in his death, burial, and resurrection. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. Now, notice it says that we have the forgiveness of sins. I mean, there's a, there's a misconception among some people that to become a Christian, you need to confess all of your sins. Now, let me just say this. If you needed to confess all your sins to become saved, to become a Christian, none of us would ever get saved because you've forgotten more sins than you've remembered. You, couldn't, you could not confess them all, all right? The, the truth is to be saved, you do not need to confess your sins. But you do need to make a confession, right? And the confession you need to make is found in Romans 10 and verse 9. That if you will confess with your mouth Jesus as your Lord and believe in your heart God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So it's not simply saying this. You just say, Jesus is Lord, and you're saved. It's much more than that. You see, a Bible faith is an active faith. It's not something that you simply believe intellectually. It's something that you believe that changes your life. It's something that you believe that changes what you do. And when you're confessing Jesus as your Lord, you're, you're putting your life, your eternity in his hands. And you're saying, my life is no longer mine. It belongs to you now and for eternity. My trust and my confidence for righteousness is not in my works, but in your shed blood. So when you make that confession, you're saved. And once you're saved, what God does, the Bible says that you're immediately put into, literally the Bible uses the word baptized, into the body of Christ. And you become in Christ, or I like to say it this way, you are in Christed, right? right there. You're in union with Christ. And everything that he did in his death, burial, and resurrection is on your account. Now, do we need to confess sins as believers? We're to confess our sins, right? 1 John 1.8, and I want to remind you, 1 John is written, he says to my little children, 
is talking to believers. If we confess our sins, he's faithful, he's just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now, when we confess our sins, literally what the word confession here means is to agree. So we agree with God that sin is wrong, that we've, we've gone the wrong way, that we've missed the mark. And when we confess our sins and turn from our sins, there's not only forgiveness for those sins, but beyond that, he cleanses us or delivers us from those sins. Believers are to confess their sins, but just simply say, God, I agree. It was wrong. I'm sorry. Forgive me. I turn away from that sin. Now, the, the devil is referred to in the Bible as the accuser of the brethren. And he is constantly accusing you, constantly telling you all the things or showing you all the things that you've done wrong. I have an iPhone that's presently dying. Right? But uh, in the old days, if you went to a grandma and said, how are you, grandma? Some of you will remember this. They would open their purse and say, I'm fine. And here's my grandkids. And here's my grandkids eating peas. Here's my grandkids eating corn. Here's my grandkids on a tricycle. Here's my grandkids on a swing set. Here's my grandkids eating macaroni and cheese. They just show you. Well, grandmas are just as bad still. But now it's on their iPhone or their pad. <laughs> In fact, I'm not even a grandma. I'm a grandpa, but I'm that bad. All right. Now, let me just say this. The devil is like a grandparent because he's got pictures of you. But his pictures are all the things you did wrong. He's got pictures of you from 25 years ago. And he doesn't forget. And he keeps on hitting a button and he puts them into your mind. And trying to tell you and I, this is your life. Why, in 2000, you did this. And in 2004, you did that. And in 2008, you did this. And then in 2010, you did this. And then in 2013, oh, 2013, I can't even believe that you are a Christian. You are, God is so mad at you. God is ticked off at you. God is not going to bless you. God's not going to listen to your prayers. And constantly, the enemy is accusing the brethren. Right? But if I can imagine, because this is how some Christians are, God up in heaven, listening to our prayers. And somebody comes and they, they're, they're confessing their sins. The Bible says to confess their sins. They said, God, you know, this is what I did. God, it was wrong. I agree. God, I ask you to wash me in the blood. Lord, I repent. I turn from this thing. And Lord, I just thank you for forgiveness. And they get up and they go on. But the next day, the accuser of the brethren's there. And he puts that same picture up. You know, he says, look what you did. And so you go back to God. You God, oh God, God, oh, forgive me. Wash me in the blood, Lord. I just confess that this was wrong. Lord, I turn from this thing. I ask you to cleanse me. I ask you to wash me in the blood. And God's up in heaven. And he's listening to all this. And he's like, what in the world are they talking about? He says to Gabriel, Gabriel, what did they do? Look at them. They're, they're crying. They're bawling. They're confessing. What did they do? And Gabriel says, I'm not sure. God says, check it out. He gets over on his iPad, puts it up, you know, puts you up. <laughs> See what's going to show up. And God says, what showed up, Gabe? Well, Gabriel says, according to all our information, well, he's saved. He is in Christ. They're righteous. 
They're justified. They're washed in the blood. They're new creature. They're redeemed. They're delivered. They have the blessings of Abraham. Their mansion is under construction at the corner of Hallelujah Street in Blood of Jesus Avenue. He said, I don't know what they're talking about. Because the first time that you confess your sin, he is faithful and just to forgive you of your sin and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. But yet the enemy, the accuser of the brethren, he will constantly try to put those pictures into your mind, constantly try to condemn you. He is fixated on your past. Aren't you glad God does not consult your past to determine your future? Your past, it is under the blood. It is forgiven. Again, Ephesians 1, 7, in him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. Now notice it is through his blood. The Bible tells us in 1 Peter, knowing that you weren't redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from the vain conversation or lifestyle received by the tradition of your fathers, but by the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without spot and without blemish. Now, literally, you and I owed a debt that we couldn't pay. The wages of sin is, it's death. And we could not pay for our own sin. In fact, it says it like this in Psalms 49. No one can ever redeem himself or pay his own ransom to God. For the price for himself is too high. And it will never be that he'll live on forever and avoid the sight of the abbess. The Bible says you couldn't redeem yourself. But... Jesus could redeem you. His blood could redeem you. And and I want to just take a moment and uh, talk to you about why Jesus' blood was different. It says this in in John, the first chapter. It says, in the beginning was the Word, Jesus. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things were made through Him. And without Him, nothing was made that was made. So it says, in the beginning... He's with God and Jesus was God and everything that's been made was made through Jesus. In other words, when God in the beginning said, let there be light and the universe leaped into existence, it was Jesus who said, let there be light. Isaiah said this in chapter nine and verse six, for unto us a child is born and unto us a son is given. Now notice it says a son is given. See, he was in heaven before he was born in Bethlehem. And he had to be given from heaven. He had to take the form of a human being and literally come and be born a human. Philippians 2.7, it says, When the time came, he set aside his privileges and took the status of a slave, became human. So Jesus was in heaven. He put aside all of his innate deity and came and was born a human being. Now, what's important is this. His blood was different than anyone else's. You know, you get your blood type from your father. Did you know that? You get your blood type from your father. Who was his father? God. God. And when Jesus' Jesus blood was different than any other person's blood. And that's why his blood spotless, sinless, was able to redeem humanity. 
That's why the Bible says no one could redeem themselves or pay their own ransom. It took something out of the ordinary. It took something special. It took the blood of Jesus. Right? In 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 2, the apostle Paul, speaking of himself, says this, I know a man in Christ. I know a man in Christ. Now, when Paul thought about himself, he thought about himself, first of all, and foremost, above all other things, as being in Christ, in union with Jesus in his death, burial, and resurrection. That everything that Jesus did in his death, burial, and resurrection was put on Paul's account. Not just on Paul's, but on yours and on mine. He didn't think of himself as being Jewish, as being from the tribe of Benjamin, as being rich or poor. He didn't think of himself as a Roman citizen. He didn't think of himself in terms of past faults and failures. He thought of himself as being in Christ. And what this is telling is this, your being in Christ is more powerful than anything that has ever happened to you, was done to you, or anything that you've ever done. The most important reality in your life and mine should be that we are in Christ, that we have a new identity, and that what God did in Christ, in us. Remember, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 19, that God was working in Christ. But he wasn't working on Christ, he was working on you. Everything that Jesus did, he did on your behalf and it went to your credit. So you get a new identity. And what God did for you in Christ supersedes anything that ever happened to you, that was done to you, that, you, that you've done yourself. It supersedes what Satan did through Adam. Romans 5.12, therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world and death through sin, thus death spread to all men because all sin. Adam, as our, rep as our representative, sinned, rebelled against God, and all he did went to your account. The curse that fell on him fell upon you and fell upon me. But Romans 5.17 says, For if by one man's offense death reigned through the one, much more those who receive, those who receive. Notice the curse is automatic, but the blessing is not. It's for those who receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. Right? We are to have our identity as being in Christ. Jesus, it says in Philippians again, was born a human being, right? Let me just read it again, Philippians 2, verse 7. And when the time came, he set aside the privileges of deity. He took and set aside his innate deity and took the form of a slave, became human. Having become human, he stayed human. Having become human, he stayed human. It was an incredibly humbling process. He didn't claim special privileges. Instead, he lived a selfless, obedient life and then died a selfish, obedient death and the worst kind of death at that, the crucifixion. Now, because Jesus became human, the Bible tells us that he went through temptation like you and I did. In Hebrews 4, it says, For we do not have a high priest 
who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. He understands your pain, your grief. He understands our condition. He understands rejection. Jesus understands what it's like to be human because he became a human being. And he understands your feelings. He became one of us. But he became one of us so that we could become like him. He became like us so that he could redeem us and we become like him. Romans 8, 29 says, For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might become the firstborn among many brethren. Now, if there's a firstborn, there is a second and a third and a fourth and a fifth and a sixth. And how many know your number is in there? He's the firstborn among many. We have the same family, the same inheritance, right? the same father. We get the same nature. We get the same righteousness. He that knew no sin became sin for us that we might be made the righteousness of God. We're given the same seating, the same victory, right? Jesus did not come to get you to heaven. He came to get heaven into you. Got that? Jesus came to get heaven into you. Jesus said the kingdom of God is within you. The kingdom of God is within you. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. New in kind, new in quality, right? Jesus did what had never been done before so that he could do for you something that had never been done before. Now, the Bible says this in 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 16. It says that, therefore, we no longer know anyone or regard anyone according to the flesh. Even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet we know him thus no longer. It says, don't know anyone according to the flesh. And then the next verse is, if anyone's in Christ, you're a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. When the Bible talks about knowing someone according to the flesh, it's talking about looking at their family, looking at their past, looking at the things that they've done wrong and limiting them and saying, I know who you are. I know what you can do. I know your potential because I know where you came from. I know what you've done. I knew you when you were a runny-nosed kid. I knew you when you were getting drunk. I knew you when you were selling drugs. I knew you when you lied. I knew you when you were fornicating. And you are just a fornicator. But the Bible says don't look at anybody like that. Because if anyone is in Christ, you are a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. You see, what is important is not your height or your weight or the color of your skin. It's not your family history. It's not important where you've been, what you've done, or who you slept with or the drugs that you've taken. What's important is who you are in Christ. Because when you're in Christ, you are a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. You're born of God. You have a new identity 
All right? You are loved and valued. You know, there's the law of exchange. When you go to the store, you give them so much money and they give you an item and it's supposed to be of equal value. All right? God put value on you. When he gave his son and his life's blood for you, he put value on you. He loves you. He values you. Let me just say this. God did not make any junk. All right? You're a new creature. You're part of a new family. You're part of the church. And by the way, the church is in two parts. The church triumphant, that's a church in heaven. And there's the church militant. You say, what's that? That's the church on earth. And by the way, you're not supposed to be a closet Christian. You're supposed to be a militant Christian. All right? See, let me just say this. Divorce no longer runs in your family. Mental illness no longer runs in your family. Depression and poverty and anger problems no longer run in your family. Child abuse and drug abuse and alcohol abuse and spousal abuse no longer run in your family because you've got a new family, you've got a new father, you've got a new brother. He's the firstborn among many brethren, and you are identified with him. All things have become new. Right? And every part of your life in my life is to be affected by who we are in Christ. Your redemption, your being in Christ is to change everything about your life. Right? God loved you so much. He valued you so much as to send his son to become human and to die, to redeem you, to lay down his life for you. We never like to close this program without giving you an opportunity to get right with God. If you don't know where you stand with God, or if you say, I want to be forgiven, I want to be right with God, I want to know I'm on my way to heaven, I want to invite you, bow your head, pray this prayer out loud, just from your heart, just say, oh God, I believe Jesus died on the cross. I believe his blood paid for my sins, and I believe he rose again. I receive him as my Savior and Lord. I'm going to live for him every day. I thank you. You've heard my prayer. Let your blood wash me from my sin. Make me a new person on the inside. On my way to heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, if you prayed that prayer from your heart, God heard that prayer, and you are right with God. You're forgiven. You're on your way to heaven. Now, I wrote a book to help you keep growing spiritually, and I want to send it to you free of charge. All you need to do is contact us. All the information is right there on your screen. Right? And if this program is blessing you and it's helping you grow spiritually, would you please become a partner with us? Send a financial gift to help us to send the gospel to the nations of the world. Thank you and God bless. At Walking by Faith, we believe in the power of prayer. Call now to share your prayer request so we can begin standing with you in prayer. joining us for today's message. We are always so encouraged to know that God is using this ministry to touch lives across the world. We would love to hear from you. 
If you have a story about how God has used these broadcasts to touch your life, please email us at yourstory@walkingbyfaith.tv. Thank you for watching Walking by Faith. Walking by Faith is made possible in part by the generous gifts of our viewers. If you would like to contribute to reaching the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ through this program, please contact us at Walking by Faith, 5120 Ivan Rest Avenue Southwest, Granville, Michigan, 49418.